Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 389 because uh, we're actually going to do things in reverse order because we have a, uh, a Friday show coming up, David Serrano. Yes. Well... We're, I know we're we're kind of reverse ordering it. So okay. three eighty nine is going to come out on a Tuesday. Oh, and then but three eighty eight is going to come Friday. out the next Friday because we taped it a week ago. Um, so, but on today's show, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little clip from an interview with Dave because if you're a parent and you have kids and you are interested in having money when you retire, he's a good guy. Or to sending your kids to college, right? So, um, so I'm gonna play a little clip preview. Um, for that. But why don't you explain what it is we're going to talk about? Okay, we're going to talk about saying no. We're going to talk about saying no, yes. No, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. Am I doing it <laughs> See, right? See, Todd already did it. Am I doing we're it done. right? We're done. We could just end right now. Yes. Um, so we are going to talk about saying no. Are we going to have a guest of a guest of a guest on this podcast? Well, let, you're not letting me finish what we're going to talk about. Sorry. Saying no, saying yes, and then saying enough. Because sometimes we have to say when things are enough. And when I say say it, maybe we don't say that part out loud, but we know when enough is enough. Right. And I also want to talk about something kind of serious real quick. Can we do that before you jump into all your stuff? Sure. Okay. I want to talk about, uh, and again, let's see, this is coming out on Tuesday. So I'll say last week, um, there was the transgender ban. Mm -hmm. And I want to just make a comment about that. one thing I was reading people's comments and there were some most people it looks like aren't very supportive of that. And we don't need to go through the list aren't of supportive of the ban. Of a transgender ban that really was from what I'm understanding now was just a tweet. It wasn't like a discussed right. <laughs> decision. The president decided to express his opinion on what should be done, but it's not formal policy. But it's not formal policy, but it was it's still very harmful. Sure. And, you know, I kind of am a glutton for punishment and a lot of times because I am trying to understand how people think I read comments under like major news articles or whatever, because I just want to see how people think. And yes, I know some people are bots and it's not real. I get it. But oftentimes you can tell when some people has a, have a real valid point or I shouldn't say valid. They have a point, you know, um, they have a, an opinion. That's the better word. And one thing I noticed is that, and this is the case for all things that we tend to have a prejudice against or a fear against, is we don't understand, okay? We don't understand what something is. And what I figured out after reading, um, which won't surprise many of you, is people don't understand what transgender is or yeah. what it means. And so I have a huge recommendation for those of you who are listening to this show, who you don't understand what transgender means. I have a book recommendation for you and it's called Becoming Nicole. And uh, about a year or two ago, whenever it came out, I got very into this book and I heard every interview you could think of. There's a Fresh Air podcast uh, about it. Uh, Two of them, actually. One is with the author, um, Identical uh, Sons, Identical Twin Sons. The long interviews I listened to was with her because she spent time with this family who had identical uh, sons, identical twin sons, and Uh, actually named Jonas and Wyatt at birth, but um, Wyatt, after some time, realized, recognized that he was female. Mm -hmm. And his brother Jonas did not. And over time, Wyatt transitioned to Nicole. And the story is about their family and how that happened. And I want to even comment on that their dad um, was, and if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, he was a Republican. He was a former um, army veteran. Mm -hmm. And he, his 
coming to terms with that, you know, with with all of that and understanding and and eventually becoming an outspoken advocate Mm. for transgender rights. And the reason why I really like this book and these interviews um, is because it will help you understand. It will put a face um, to this word and you will understand that these are people and there is nothing to be afraid of. And you don't even have to feel sorry for anybody. You just have compassion and understanding of their challenge and also their ability to overcome that challenge and live a very healthy and productive and meaningful and giving back kind of life so brave. Mm. I mean, Nicole, the whole family is so brave. I also, this semester, this last semester, this spring semester, I had a, uh, one of my students, a non-traditional student. She was a mom. Uh, and typically I, you know, my college students are typically in their early twenties or late teens. And she had a son who was transgender and she gave her, um, final presentation, uh, talking about her, her husband came in with her, uh, to help her with the presentation. They talked about their son's transition. And again, it was for the whole class. And for me, it was so meaningful because you, as soon as you have proximity on something, as soon as you get close enough to something and you realize that these are people, and this is not something that you point a finger at and you say, that's wrong because I don't understand it. Because really the reason why we get upset and angry and afraid of something is because we don't understand. And as soon as you understand and you have proximity to that situation or to that person, you realize they're just like you. And there's nothing to be afraid of. And there's nothing for you to believe that there is nothing that's going to harm our society overall. Um, And so I know some of you listening, majority of you listening are like, yeah, Kathy, I already get that. And, and great. And, but I still recommend the book to you because it's excellent. But for those of you that listen, that this makes you afraid or you don't understand what transgender is, or you still are confused about gay, lesbian, transgender, queer, sexuality versus gender identity. I highly recommend you read this book. Um, And it's a start. This is just one of many ways you can educate yourself. But I thought that would be a good resource for people who are confused Mm. about how, what, how to think about this. Because once you read the book or once you have an understanding, you will realize how unnecessary how, well, first of all, it's unfair and, you know, discriminatory, uh, discriminatory but how unnecessary, I don't even know, unnecessary is in the right word. It's just, you will realize it's discriminatory, sure. period. Well, so, and well, it's funny because you kind of, one word I wrote down was proximity, which you already talked yes. about. We've, we've had, um, we've talked about Brian Stevenson, who is um, an advocate for African-American men who are on death row, young, who, who were convicted as when they were kids, but they were tried as adults mm-hmm. and all that. And he has this amazing TED Talk, and he talks about proximity. And this is directly related to Completely. that. Like, because it's weird, because, you know, you don't see transgender people uh, walking around very often. Or if you That's do, you, you don't notice it. You don't it. know it. That's the key. And, but the bottom line is, I don't personally know anybody. So it's uh, easy for me to say, well, I just don't get it. Like many people out there, because I don't know what the statistics are, mm-hmm. but it's less than. So what you're saying, Kathy, is that if you truly are afraid of this or you don't understand, you're giving a resource so you can start understanding. Yes. It's that simple. It's that simple. And when you do that things start to make a little more sense. Yes. You're less likely to be as discriminatory towards a certain person of color or sexual orientation or gender identification or once you religion know once you know them. Because then you're like, oh, that's a person. Oh, they have the same, you know, joys and pains and, and everything that I do. Yeah. You know, they have a similar life story that I do. And 
then you realize there's there's nothing to do except allow and be and be supportive and so I know like there's been a lot going on in our world and maybe you're asking yourself, why are you talking about this issue on the show? And you haven't been talking about healthcare. Or you haven't been talking about, you know, the Boy Scout issue or you haven't been talking about this. If Todd and I discussed everything that challenges us, this would somehow become a political show. Which and we that's don't all want we'd be to doing. Evolve into. But what so occasionally, you know, and I try and post things on our Facebook page and try and make sure that we speak up because I do believe that now is a time, it's always a time, but now is especially a time where we do speak up and we don't have indifference. We do call out uh, things that are discriminatory. We do call out things that are non-loving or non-connecting. We do call out things that will harm people, um, especially when they're based in fear and in misunderstanding or non-understanding. So... I on this show we're not going to discuss every issue that comes up, but I thought this was something that's very closely related to families that I've worked with and that you know I know, um, or you know many families that I have no connection to at all, but I know are just trying to live a life like we are. Sure. Um, and I just wanted to offer that. So again, becoming Nicole Amy Ellis Nutt, and um, and one more thing, one thing I had thought of before I got on, which I decided not to do because I thought it might just become a logistic nightmare is if there is somebody you don't understand, I recommend you try and find a way to connect with them, maybe through email or starting to follow someone's blog or starting to gather information. And the reason why I like email or texting is because then you can have a personal back and forth with somebody. Right. Like I did that after the election. You know, if there's, if you don't understand the way someone's thinking who maybe voted for a certain candidate, you reach out to them and say, tell me more. So I understand. And what you come to find is that we, we all want the same thing. Right. You know, we all want the same thing. Um, and that we all have different ways of seeing things. So, um, and that we can love each other in that, you, you know, go. that we don't all need to agree, but we can all agree on what we want in the end and hopefully influence each other in a positive way. So that's all I have to say about that. All right. Um, okay. So we, so I don't really have any quick takes this week. No quick takes? No, not really. Um, but let me briefly talk about what uh, the summary of our last Zen Talk was. Okay. Team Zen Talk, feeding your family, because um, we're not going to do one for a week or so because I'm going to be gone. Right. Um, dealing with kids that cop an attitude, worrying, worry pretending to be necessary, and daughters who put their hands over their ears and just completely don't want to listen to you. Oh, that was, we've talked about this already. I know, but we don't have anything else to talk about. I see, be, meaning we haven't done one since Correct. our last show. So so quickly explain what this is to so our listeners. So Team Zen is something that Todd and I are just loving, and it's basically this um, opportunity to join us for three live talks. We call them Zen Talks, and they're usually in the middle of the day um, on different days. We don't have them always on the same day, and we have three a month. Um, like Todd said, the next one I think is is August It's somewhere middle of August. Yeah, something like August 14th or something because we have this end of the summer big push with vacation. Um, And basically on the live talks, you get an opportunity to ask questions and we get an opportunity to see each other. It's a video talk. Now, if you can't make the Zen talk,
talk, that's not a problem because we record it and we send you an audio version and a video version. Um, and then it's just like having three more podcasts a month because we answer questions and do the exact same thing we do on the show. We got the interactive community-based Facebook page. So that's just what Kathy's describing is just kind of scratching the surface. We have a lot of other things that we do. We're actually going to give a discount to our Zen Talk people for the conference next year, among other things. So Correct. Like the, I think the community Facebook page is becoming, the Zen Talks are one thing, but the Facebook page that we have that's part of Team Zen is where people can ask questions. They can get, uh, obviously we can answer, but the t- other team members can answer. We've been doing a kindness campaign where we're all um, doing random acts of kindness and posting about it. Um, we are all just there to support each other, meet each other, and it's people from all over the place. How would one uh, find out more about this? So go to zenparentingradio.com, click events, and it's the first thing there to register for. And um, it's basically just kind of like a VIP club. If you really like the podcast and want more, this is the quickest uh, avenue to doing that. And if you're in a place like we've get a lot of emails from people who say, I wish there were more parents around me that thought similar to me or that that have the same value system or that I could talk to about these kind of issues like self-awareness and mindfulness. Well, here's your community. Yeah. That's why we built it. Like the this whole Team Zen thing came from advice and, and feedback that you guys gave us, um, which is build a community, have more podcasts and allow us to interact with you and others. Well, here it is. Here you go. And it's 25 bucks a month. So, and you can opt out at any time. Correct. So, all right. So uh, I like these shows because um, you decided that you wanted to kind of decide the 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 main thrust the of what it is that we're going to talk about. So I can just kind of chill out, relax, and respond to whatever it is that we're about to talk about. So okay. go ahead. Okay. So Todd and I were, I was in Florida with my, um, my sister and my mom for a few days. Um, and we had kind of a nice um, family time together. Um, you know, after it's been about two months since my dad passed away. So we planned this trip where we would go visit my aunt and stay with her and have a little ceremony for my dad. So that was really meaningful. And while I was there, I was, you know, we had lots of downtime. So listened to a ton of podcasts and Todd and I happened to listen to the same podcast, which I do all the time. It's a Dear Sugar podcast with Cheryl Strayed and Steve Allman, which I love, which is now, by the way, connected to the New York Times. Nice. I don't know if you've noticed that, but no. it's now it's now being supported by the New York Times. They post, you know, in the paper or we about should the do podcast. That. <laughs> right. Maybe. Um, maybe someday. So anyway. And who's Cheryl Strait? So Cheryl Strait, they know who Cheryl Strait is. No, She's, sweetie. Well, okay. She is an author. She wrote Wild. She, you know, the Reese Witherspoon movie. We got a lot of guys that listen to podcasts that don't read Oprah books. I understand, but but Cheryl Strayed went a little beyond Oprah because she had the movie Wild, and it was an Academy Award nominated movie. There's some and people that are saying, "Duh, Todd, Cheryl Strayed," and there's some people that are saying, "I have no idea who you're talking." I about. got. I understand. So basically, she wrote Wild. She also wrote Tiny Beautiful Things, which is one of my all time favorite books. I mean, literally, it's like in my top three. Um, and she also. Wrote wrote Torch and she writes, she wrote the Dear Sugar column when it was on the Rumpus. And now she does the Dear Sugar podcast, which I listen to And it's like week. a Q&A format, right? Correct. People write in because again, it's, uh, she and Steve Allman both were Dear Sugar for the Rumpus, uh, website. And basically people would write in and ask questions. And it was like a Dear Abby kind mm-hmm. of format. Anyway, Last week on um, Dear Sugar, they, she and Steve, Cheryl and Steve talked uh, about saying no and how difficult it can be to say no, um, which is something that's very close to my heart because I do struggle with that. Um, I think Todd does too. Yep. 
I've gotten a lot better and I want, and I'm hoping you and I will share some of our practices with that. Um, but they had a very special guest. Um, they had Oprah Winfrey on with them. And the reason why I was excited about listening to the podcast with Oprah is I have heard her over the years talk about her ability to say no and how challenging it has been for her. She kind of refers to it as the ongoing thing in her life that keeps showing up and showing up and showing up and how she can maintain her ability to say no when necessary. Can you imagine how many times somebody asks Oprah for something? I can't. Well, and so let's just start with the basics. Friends, like, family, strangers, yeah. charities. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's beyond. And she's such an open-hearted yeah. giving person and they know she's philanthropic and that, you know, she, and again, one of the things, and this is per Oprah, she says this, is that she also wants people to like her. Mm. You know, she talks about that on her show. Even Oprah. Even Oprah. She she wants to be perceived as kind. And sometimes when we want to be perceived as kind, we try to sh- demonstrate that we're doing kind things. But oftentimes we do that to our detriment, where we end up harming ourselves to make other people think we're kind. And that's what they talk about on this show. So, um, you know, we'll get more into our experience, but why don't you just play the clip from uh, the the second podcast, because they did two podcasts with her. And the we'll first put one. it in the show notes yes. as far as how to link to it. Now, so technically, if we play this clip uh-huh. and they have Oprah as a guest, does that mean that by transference, we have Oprah on as a guest? I don't know if transference is the right well, word. Well, whatever word I'm talking Osmosis? Yeah, whatever. Well, let's just pretend. Okay. So how Everybody long is this clip? Everybody suspend belief. Um, it's about one minute. All right. Here we go. I actually had written on my desk an event that I had said yes to and why that felt so good. And I kept that on my desk for like five years to remind me of how a yes feels. Every part of you says yes. When you want to do something, every part of you, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to like, let me get back to you. Let me. So I first wanted to remind myself of what it feels like to have a full on yes, because when it's a full on yes, First of all, most times people do not come back right? because it's the, the, the energy isn't, oh, I just did this to make you feel okay. Because those people who are just looking for, okay, she did it because she was nice. This is what I could never figure out. I did it so you would think I was nice. And then two months later, you were back asking me again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could never understand why that happened. It's because the reason why you did it is you wanted people to think you were nice. And they did. And that's why they kept asking the person who it's easy. It's mm-hmm. easy to ask you. Right. You are going to drive my kids, even if you are overwhelmed and you right. shouldn't. You're going to say yes because you are going to allow me to let you be my doormat. Right. And when you let me do that, I'm okay with it. That's it. You're the you didn't give me the sign, sweetie. I, I know. I don't. I don't do this, but I'm doing the. I know, but this. But you did this a few times. Okay. Well, do, but you're watching my mouth. I'm like, I'm gonna say. Right. I don't know what we that don't. Means. Our signs are all mixed up. We got to work on our. We third gotta base, do smoke single signals. Third base signs, like in baseball, the baseball third base coach. I don't know what that is. Oh, you know, ears. You know, they all this. Oh, yeah, 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 That's yeah. That's what we need to work on. I think that might get even more confusing. So I thought that this was going to be the Stevie Wonder clip, but we'll talk about the Stevie Wonder yeah, idea I think that was from the first okay. time. The reason why I liked this clip and that I, I wanted you to pull this one is because I think it's a better way to look at it. Rather than focusing on when we need to say no and how we need to say no, I think a better way to focus on it is 
what it feels like when we have a yes. Because if we understand that at a really deep level and we know what it feels like to, and I always call it a hell yes. Mm, I call um, it a full body yes. I yes. don't know where I got that from. But. Yes, same. Like, you know, I think that there's a lot of people who've actually, you know, this is kind of a topic of of therapists and coaches and mm. self-help people. Like, what does a yes really mean to you? And as I said, I call it a hell yes. Todd calls it, calls it a full body yes. And when you know what that feels like, it makes it easier to understand what a no So what is a full Full body yes, as I understand it, is when somebody asks you to do something, whether it be to go away on a trip or pick up their kids at school or it doesn't matter what it is, like you don't have to think about it. It's just like almost like an instant reaction because you know for whatever reason you either want to help the person or you feel like you'll feel valuable at yourself if you do this nice thing for somebody or whatever. But like there's no really no thought. It's more of a reaction. Yeah. Whenever we – and if we don't have a full body yes, if we don't have a hell yes, my – my recommendation to myself and to everybody else is to say to that person, you know, I'm not sure. Um, can I get back to you about that? Because then at least it creates some space. Mm-hmm. Between, as opposed to the no. As opposed to, or if you know it's a no, say no. Right. But if you're not sure. What if you know it's a no, but you don't have the guts to say no, so you say I'll have to get back to you? But I think that's fair because you may need to build up some some bravery mm-hmm. to be able to say with, you know, and be really definitive about the no. Maybe you want to be thoughtful about how you approach the no. Maybe you want to say, I can't do this, but I could do this. Like there's, I don't think it's wimpy. If you know it's no and you can say no, do it. But if you're kind of like, I know this is going to be a no, but I need a little time to 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 uh, uh, figure out a way to say this in a way that I feel comfortable in maintaining this relationship. So what happens when you begrudgingly say yes? What happens to our energy? What happens to our body? Well, I think it, it harms both parties. I think that's been my experience is that when you say yes to something you don't want to do, number one, you end up being resentful of the person who asked you when really it wasn't their fault in the first place. They're just asking you a question. You always have the responsibility or right to say no. And if you said yes, getting mad at them seems kind of crazy, mm-hmm. right? Now, what also happens is when you do show up for whatever that thing may be, if it be that you offered to work or you offered to take their kids or you offered to support them in something, you bring that resentment with you. And so when you are doing the thing you said you do, there's a feeling of you're not happy to be there. Um, Even if you're saying words like, no, Mm -hmm. you can always tell with the voice inflection, no, I'm happy to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, even though you're saying those words, the people can feel that it's not very, that they're not getting the full you. Now you may say, well, the other people don't seem to care as long as I show up, they seem fine with it. And you're right. As Oprah said, some people are fine taking advantage of your time. There are people who are like, I need a place to dump off my kids. She always says yes. So I'm going to dump off my kids and they care more about what their needs are and their needs being met. And they're, they don't care that you don't feel good about it. The one P the one part I remember, and I think it's from the first episode, this is a two part episode with Oprah and And she talks about how, um, let's say somebody asks us for money Mm -hmm. or whatever. And, you know, obviously everybody's always asking Oprah for money Mm because she's a multi-billionaire or whatever it is. And um, and they say, well, you can afford it. Right. So why don't you do it? I thought you loved me or whatever, whatever language they use. And what Oprah said was, that's really not love when it's contingent upon whether or not you do this favor for them or right. give them money. And I think that's an important aspect. People are like, because a lot of times we'll do things out of guilt, 
But if you're doing things out of guilt, there's really not a clean exchange of loving energy. And exchange is the wrong word because there's really no exchange. When exchange means that there's a giver and a recipient. Really, when you do something, you want to like give for the sake of giving without expecting anything back in return. Correct. You know I, mean? I mean, and you know, they are asking you to do something that you don't want to do. And then they are, you know what, this is the best way that I think that Oprah said it. She said, because all those things you said were true. And she said, what I learned, what I learned that I had to figure out was how to get what I needed to. Mm -hmm. And what that means is if people, like she shared a story of if her family kept coming to her and asking her for money, and she finally said, how do I want to give to them? Mm -hmm. So she set up a thing. A dinner. A dinner where she had everybody over and said, this is what I'm going to give to you because I'm choosing this. I am going to give you this much money. I'm going to set you up with this, or I'm going to buy you a house. I don't. And again, she goes through kind of everything. And what she, she said did. was like she basically completely took care of her parents, and then she took care of other people in her life that she wanted to, to take care of in different ways. Like here's an educational yeah. fund, and then she said, "Now I'm done. Mm-hmm. This is how I want to support you. This is how I feel like so I." She can was offer. the initiator, exactly. And that is something that is very meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. Is that when I am giving. And I I love to give. But if someone's telling me how to do it, (laughs) if they're saying you have to give in this way and this is the only way or this is the only way that works for me, then I know it's not a really good uh, either relationship that I'm having with this person or I'm not being clear about what, you know, my needs are, too, or um there's just an only a one-sided, you know, like as long as they get their needs met, it doesn't matter how I feel. Right. I really love to give to people who are doing like authentic good work yeah. or whatever that means. Like I, I'm thinking about another podcast I was listening to about um, people who do things just for the sake of doing them because they know it's the right thing to do and they offer of themselves and they offer of their life and they're not all about the fame and they're not all about the notoriety, but they're just doing good work. I love to just hold them up. And That's what I talked about last week, the guy who did all the anonymous giving. Yes, and that feels good to like, and when I say give to them, it's not like they need stuff from me, but I like to talk about them. And, you know, like even on this show there, we get a lot of emails from people who want to come on and talk about their book and, and which, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. There's no judgment of people wanting to promote their books. You know, hell, I did it. You right. know, it's, it, it's not a judgment, but because Todd and I typically don't have people on the show, that's not really our fo- format. When we do have someone on the show, it's somebody that's stuck out to us right. It wasn't some like kind of marketing thing where they're like, we'll scratch your back and I'll scratch your back. It was just like we liked them. Well, this is what's interesting because, you know, they always say the customers are always right Mm -hmm. and all that. And I I do. And in this case, our listeners are our customers, for lack of a better term. But really, we kind of do it upside down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And this is because of your lead, thank goodness, because I'd be like, well, who's got the biggest amount of Facebook likes Mm -hmm. so that they can broadcast that podcast on our page or whatever? Um, if it's interesting to us, that's the start. Right. And then our second thing is, is this going to be interesting to the to listeners? To the listeners, right. And the third is, and if we have to hurt somebody's feelings because they want to come on our show and we have to say no, and we say no most nine time. times out of mm-hmm. 10, because you know most of the time I don't want another person talking about self-aware parenting because 
We've exhausted that. Right. We have David Serrano coming up, and he's going to talk about 529 plans and college education, and we've never had something And like... how it relates to self-awareness. Right. Yeah. But if it's just somebody saying, you know, love your kids, like, we say that we don't need yet another expert on talking about that. So it's got to be interesting to us first, mm-hmm. and then our listeners second. Yeah. And, and many times we disappoint a lot of people yeah, who want to be on the show. Friends. Yeah. You know, and we, and, and that's okay, because the thing is, is if we had, if we had, this goes back to saying no, if we had them on the show, we wouldn't be doing it with the vibration that is necessary. Mm-hmm. You guys would probably be able to tell yeah. that this is just us trying to get through an interview. Well, and even like, we can get so many more like really good guests if we just Skype them sure, in. Sure, of course. Um, but we, we've we done a few Skype interviews, but it doesn't, we don't get as much out of it. It and, doesn't translate for us, yeah. And if it doesn't translate for us, we know it's not going to translate to the audience. So we've kind of like, whether it's right or wrong, we could get a lot larger audience if we had these bigger names that we can get because, you know, there's so many different people that we want to interview, but the odds of them coming to our basement studio is really rare. So we're... Um, we don't have those guests on because we know that if they're not in the room, it's just not the same. For right. Us. So the show is really a conversation, right? So Todd and I kind of have our not everything is written down, but our own mission about this show. It's about conversation and about self awareness and about connection. So that's how we have to do an interview. So it's about relationship and connection. And so we have to we want them here so we can connect with them because if we're just asking them questions about their book over Skype, then to us it just feels like an obvious marketing push. Now. Here's the thing. That that doesn't mean that shows that do it another way are wrong, and that doesn't mean that we don't absolutely love and appreciate all of these amazing authors and you know teachers out there who have something to share, um, because there's many other formats for them to do that. The point is, is bringing it back to what's a hell yes for you mm-hmm. and what's a no. And I know on this show or when I'm writing or the work that Todd and I do, I know what a hell yes feels like for me. And the hell yes is so strong. And I have such a, like a excited, like react where all of this information goes into my head and I'm so thrilled to get working on it. Like for example, the conference that Todd and I do, we're on year three and it's still an absolute hell yes to me. We don't have to do the conference, but I'm like, yes. And it's a lot of work and we don't do it to make money. No. We do it because we love to do it. (laughs) And that's, and it's a, it's a big hell yes. Like as soon as the conference is over, Dad and I go out to lunch like the next day and say, who are we going to have next year? Like it's an absolute thrill. So I know what that feels like. I also feel that way about Team Zen. At the same time, I've been saying to Todd, because we've been talking about having annual memberships to Team Zen and everything. Part of me is like, I don't know how, like, you don't want to, I don't want to commit too long because if it's not a hell yes a year from now, I don't want to do it just because we're doing it. Mm -hmm. I want to do things that are consistently hell yeses. And I feel like that that gives it that feeds itself back like if you're doing hell yeses then think then the energy is good for the people who are you're giving to for the people you're getting from it's just a good place and then when that when the hell yes starts to dissipate or it starts to feel more like a no that's an important lesson in learning to let go right. not everything is suspo- is supposed to sustain you know i was just reading a um, or i was listening to something about a organ- a google x it's called and i don't know it must be an offshoot of google where they really um they acknowledge people who 
be, who do startups, either a different, either they're like starting something up outside of Google or they're doing something within the company mm -hmm. and they start something. And because of whatever reason, if it be that people, you know, the, the feedback they get from people or the data that they acquire, it demonstrates that this isn't going to be sustainable. Yeah. And they acknowledge them being able to let go mm. because if you can't let go, then sometimes you get very focused. Like if you don't have the humility to let go and say, this isn't going to work, you know, what I thought was going to work isn't going to work, then you go full speed ahead into something that maybe isn't necessary or isn't. And so sometimes letting go can be just as big of a, you know, a deal. I think uh, there's a term for that in the business world or whatever world. And I don't know if it's sunk cost or opportunity cost. Basically, it's cost of things that you're trying to do that just aren't going to work out right. and you got to kind of let them go. Like we had my friend, Charlie, who's uh, our friend, Charlie, who's an author. And I remember when we were interviewing him, uh, he said one of the hardest things that he had to figure yes. out was like he would type for two days and then he realized it all sucked. Yes. So he would had to like get rid of it. Even delete though, pages delete and pages, pages of and pages novels. And literally delete it where it's no longer there, which is really hard to do. But, um, I think that we can all relate to that idea. Yes. Because the plowing forward and saying, no, I'm going to do it because I said I was going to do it or because I thought I was going to do it or because I committed to do it or because I set a goal, you're going you're going against the tide again. Yeah. Todd and I have talked a lot about you know going swimming upstream or swimming downstream. A hell yes is flowing with the stream. You know, it's like where you're riding the wave of what feels good. It's the current of the most like natural organic process. When you're just doing something because you think you should or because you have to or because you already committed to it or because you um, it, because you told everyone you were going to do it, then you're swimming upstream. I think we've talked about this on the show and Rob, uh, not Rob Bell, Wayne Dyer did this on a PBS special and he talked about the row, row, row your right, boat song. Right, Row, row, row your boat. So row is like take action mm -hmm. or whatever. Whose boat? Your boat. Mm -hmm. Gently. Mm-hmm. Down. Down the stream, merrily, mm -hmm. merrily, merrily, and you mm -hmm. know the rest. So I think that there's so much wisdom in that silly little children's song. Mm -hmm. And I am guilty of swimming upstream a lot because I committed to it. I decided to do it. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to fit this square peg in a round hole. And it's uh, most of the time it would be easier to let it go and then you know, lovingly deal with the consequences. And that's, I had a teacher who used to say to me all the time and to Todd too, like when we would kind of, you know, say we just got to finish it up or we should do this or we have to do this. She would say, is it in everyone's highest good? Like, do you really think that this is going to benefit everyone or are you just trying to fulfill your, your obligation that you, you know, like, do you really think the way you're doing it and how you're going about it is in everyone's highest good? Cause you seem miserable. Well, and I would say at what cost, like you can, you know, cause sure. I'm always about be impeccable your, with your word and never go against your word and all that. But there could be a cost to that because you make an agreement on a Tuesday and then all of a sudden I say, okay, I'll go out with my buddies next Saturday. And then something happens in the family and I'd be like, no, sorry, I already committed to it. Even though I'm not understanding the impact that would happen if I decided to go out with my friends that night. 
Do you know what I mean? I do. And let me just go back to being impeccable with your word, because that is number one of the four agreements of Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements. Be impeccable with your word doesn't mean you say you'll do something and so you follow through at any cost. Be impeccable with your word means be honest with the words you're using. Mm -hmm. So if you have to cancel on something, you don't call and say, oh, it's traffic. Mm -hmm. When it's not traffic, you say, I cannot make it because of the choices I am making because of either my inability, my... Yeah, you don't BS. Your you way don't through be, it. and you're that's honest. being impeccable. And then not only that, it's because if you're always breaking your plans, then you know that there's that's a pattern, mm-hmm. and there's something that's going on in your life where you're like overcommitting. It's silly, but what I try to do is I I try to bat a thousand, which is unrealistic, right? And I remember I think it's in uh, Jim Detmer's book, uh, Fifteen Habits of Conscious Leadership, and they say about ten percent of the agreements that you make, you're going to have to break. Correct. Yes. But if that number like turns to fifty, you have to kind of look in the mirror and say, okay, you're overpromising or right. something like that. But the idea is to bat that nine hundred or something like that instead of a hundred or five hundred. It's that that's that sweet spot where like, yeah, you have to be fluid. You have to be flexible with what's going on. You do. And, you know, I remember Todd and I, um, you know, we had a program a long time ago or five years ago, four years ago called BU. And it was a, you know, a program for adolescent girls. We loved doing it. Initially, it was a hell yes because of all the time and and uh, the amount of girls we worked with. It started to feel more like if we were going to do it, we had to only do that. And neither and both of us knew we didn't want to just do that. We wanted to do a lot of other things, and so we had to gently let it go over time. Obviously, we did it with a sense of. Um, what's the word? Respect, uh, being fair. We gave people's money back. Mm-hmm. We, um, you know, offered them other services, meaning like other people that they could go to. We, you know, stay connected to them. We always yeah, it's not black them. and white. We tried our best to kind of warm, accommodate up, them, accommodate mm-hmm. to the impact of our decision. Correct. Because we had people signed up for the next semester or whatever it was, and right. there was moms and daughters and dads that were disappointed. Right. And so, and that is the thing is when Todd's talking about deal with the consequences, usually. 99% of the time, the consequences are dealing with other people's disappointment. Mm-hmm. You know, like someone who, you know, like a, you know, you get mad at a band because they decided not to put out a new album or you get mad at podcasters because they, you know, only do, or they stopped their show or they only did one a week or, or whatever. Or they have too many commercials. Or they have too many. And we get, Speaking right. of which, I'd like to talk about canvaspeople.com. <laughs> okay, go ahead. It's a joke. Uh, canvaspeople.com. They are an easy to use photo to canvas service that takes your favorite photos and memories uh, from your phone and makes it into beautiful artwork. We actually have the artwork hanging around our house mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. Uh, you can use it for your office or give it as a gift. Uh, walls at home, they have served over a million customers. Um, and they have a coupon code that I want to mention. We mention every week or every other week. Um, coupon code Zen and it turns a 11 by 14 canvas from sixty nine ninety nine down to zero. You just pay shipping. So canvasfeetpeople.com, click on 11 by 14 canvas, Plug in Zen for the coupon code. It goes from $69.99 to $0. So that's that's the deal. Okay. Can I talk about um, this when it comes down to the tools that we can use to help say no and also bringing this to like a more family level? Sure. Because I also think that something – you know, we've talked on the show about micro bravery, which means taking like small steps and small practices to demonstrate that you're moving in a direction of of your truth or that, you know, 
that sounds jargony. You're trying to be as real as you can be with people and be honest about how you feel. And and I think that sometimes in our own families, we this is important too. So it's not just about jobs or volunteering or our work, but within our family. Like for example, are you going to give me a bullet point list of tools? No, I'm oh. going to talk about this. I got excited there. For no, I want to talk about this this family stuff first. And okay. and basically, it's like between Todd and I. You know, you and you and I always talk about on the show how, um, you know, we don't always agree on everything, right? Um, Safe to say. Correct. And and that's okay. Like, it's okay to say no occasionally. Like, for example, my birthday's this weekend, everybody, turning 46. Happy birthday to you. Don't sing the whole song or else I might forget what I'm saying. Okay. You can finish, though. Happy birthday to, to you. you. Sing along with me, listener. Happy birthday, birthday dear Kathy. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Me. The big four six. I know. Big. It doesn't feel like a big milestone. Are you kidding? Forty six. It's Mike Stanfell's uh, number in football. Drake. Drake football. The Bulldogs. Well, that's exactly that's what I was a thinking big about. Number forty six. Well, so for example, we were so this weekend. Um, we're going to see Roger Waters on Friday, which is kind of a big deal for us. If you guys like Pink Floyd, and then we are going on Saturday. We are going to my daughter's tournament. She has a lacrosse tournament. And in Indianapolis, three and a half hours away. And that's my birthday. We're going to be driving and going to Indianapolis. Now, in a way, I don't mind that at all because we'll be together and we can, you know, stay at a hotel that night as a family and go out to eat. So it's all good. But at the beginning of the week, Todd and I were talking about it and he said something to me like, you know, JC's got to eat dinner with her team. So on your birthday, we're all going to eat dinner with you said something like, so that's where we're going to be. And I was like, no, no. Like that's, that doesn't feel okay to me at all. I feel like all day I would be thinking about that. I have to do that. And you could have gone with the program and you would have regretted every second of it. I would have resented you. Resented it, right. I would have not, I would have regretted it. Yes. But I would have been resentful that right. you were not able to recognize that that's my birthday. Right. And so, yes, I'm going to go to my daughter's tournament. I think that's important and valuable. And I want to be with all of you guys, but to ask me who now for someone who likes to go like have dinner with a bunch of people that they may not know or that they're they're more extroverted in mm. the way that they like to spend their birthdays it's not about i'm choosing the right thing for everyone but i want to have a, you a quiet choose the right thing dinner for you and i want to that day it to for as much as it's about my daughter's team i want to do what i want to do that day you yeah. know sit in a chair and watch the game and listen to a podcast and go out to a nice dinner and so the the practice is not just in the workplace. It's at home saying, no, this doesn't work for me. And I, and for Todd, it would work. You know, he would love to go have, I think, you'd love to go be with all I those like people. I like meeting new people. Yeah, and I do too right. on certain occasions. But I like it more. Right. Um, and so I had to say no. That And, and here's the key, everybody, because this is always the key we try and bring back in. The no is not an angry no. It's not, I can't believe you would say that no. It's not a... How dare you even consider that? No, it's a no that doesn't work for me. You know, it's it, you have to be thoughtful about how you share your no. So it's not people, what you say is how you say it. Yeah, and you have to recognize that someone needs to receive your no. Mm -hmm. That it's not all about you and your needs. It's about how you communicate. So, um, you know, so again. Now let's go to your list. I don't really have a list have in a front list. of me. Do you have a list? Well, I don't, but I think I could come up with something oh, right wow. now. I mean, makes one of us. Well, the first thing is is what we've already said. Know what a hell yes feels like. 
it's going to be a lot easier to say no to something if you know what a hell yes feels like. So, and that's interesting because a lot of times you're like, oh, sounds good. Like, I don't know. That's kind of a, like, I live by the hell yes. I don't like live by it a hundred percent, but it's like a good kind of beacon of light of, okay, do I really want to do this? Um, but there's so much gray area Sure. in, cause there's sometimes like, oh, that sounds kind of good. Like, do I do that or not? And that is exactly like, so hell yes is easy, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of, there's no gray, right. it's black or white. The next step is to check in with yourself and recognize, because there's sometimes there are feelings that come up about if someone asks you to do something or you are being told you need to do something and you need time to evaluate what you're really feeling. Because initially you may think, you may be like, well, I'm afraid. So that should mean I shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. But you need to evaluate what that fear is really about. Is it your fear of what people will think about you or is it the fear of overcommitting? Mm -hmm. Because if it's your fear of what people will think about you, you may want to be like, you know what? I'm going to go in this and do this for me and not worry so much about that. But if it's I'm overcommitting, there's too many things, then you know that the fear is probably telling you to not do it. So sometimes we need time to evaluate. Like I, for example, I just um, took a new job a couple weeks ago. And initially when it was offered, I was like, I don't know. I mean, you, I don't know what you thought, but you probably thought I wasn't going to do it, right? Didn't see all indications said that you would not do it. Right. And then as I kind of sat with it and acknowledged how how it kind of fit so well into my life and how it was something I really enjoy doing anyway, and I could go on and on and on. But I was like, you know what? Hell yeah. Mm. But it took me some time to acknowledge- You left yourself open. Completely. Which I'm glad. To the possibility. Yeah, both ways. Because I was saying, just go talk to him. Listen, I, yeah. go on the interview, see what mm-hmm. happens. Right. And because there's a party that are like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, just go listen. Well, I didn't, you know, this go is ahead. where- Go this, listen. Go listen. Have one. Um, is that I didn't want to, sometimes I get too concerned about other people. I didn't want to waste their time. Mm-hmm. My intention was to not be like, I didn't want to make them think this was going to happen and it didn't happen. But then I realized that really there's no lose here. Because even if I don't take this job, you make the connection and the networking. Yep. And and it ended up being a great thing. And it, it in the end, was a hell yes. Yeah. But it took some time. So thank you, Chad, for bringing that up because there's the black and white, you know, hell yes. And then there's the, oh, this is kind of gray, but yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm kind of nervous sighted. Mm. I'm nervous. I'm excited. And I'm, I'm going to take this jump. Um, and then there's the, you know, the, there's when you know that you don't want to do something, but you feel like you're supposed to. The big S, the should. The should. Don't should yourself. No, don't should on Um, yourself. Don't should on yourself. And that's where you need to maybe take some time and figure out a way to um, relay what you want and need to this person and maybe figure out another way to do – like someone may be saying to you – you know, let's just take it to family stuff. Will you take my kids after school every Tuesday and Thursday because I have this and you have time and you're home with your kids and it won't be a big deal to you, but it is a big deal to you. I wouldn't have wanted to do that. Um, Then you figure out a way to say, you know what, I'm not going to be able to do that. But occasionally if we want to maybe, you know, if you kind of if you have something set up and it falls through, call on me because occasionally I can do that for you. But I can't commit to doing that every Tuesday, Thursday. Like you figure out a way to maybe be helpful without sacrificing yourself in the process. Um, I just Googled uh, powerful ways to say no. And there's this woman, uh, Jessica Stillman on Inc.com. Okay. I guess it's a business thing. And okay. It's written during the holidays where somebody asks you to do something during the holidays. So it doesn't completely relate. But um, she has quick 10 quick things. I want to throw them at you. All right? 
Well, Isaac is going to take us way off target. No, because I think it's important. Like if somebody's like, how do I say no to somebody? Right. Give me the mechanics of how to do this. Okay. I just haven't read this, so I don't know if this is really general, but go ahead because we'll just Number one, be vague, but effective. Thank you for asking, but that's not going to work out for me. Perfect. Love it. Number two, it's not personal. Thank you for asking, but I'm not doing any, any interviews while I'm writing my book. Perfect. Because that's something we kind of do with the podcast. Ask me later. I want to do that, but I'm not available until April. Will you ask me again then? I do a lot of that. We right. do a lot of that on the show. Right. Like check in with us in a few months. Yeah, because maybe in a few months we will be up right. for it. Number four, let me hook you up. I can't do it, but I'll bet Shelly can. I'll ask her for you. I do a lot of that too with therapists. Right. Yeah. Number five, keep trying. None of those dates work for me, but I would love to see you. Send me some more dates. Number six, gratitude. Wait, slow down for a second. So Keep trying. None of those dates work for me, but I would love to see you. Send me some more dates. And that's perfect with friendships because I know a lot of times as, you know, in in our friendships, you know, we really do want to see certain people, but they'll keep asking us to do things and it doesn't work. And what you have to let them know is, you know, when you say, sorry, I can't make it because I have this family obligation, say to, I say this all the time to my friends, I really do want to do this. Like if you're, if you're, happy that there's something and that you get to say no, but you keep saying to them, oh, I really do want to see you. Then you're you're telling them a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you really do want to see friends, say to them, I'm going to, how about next time I throw a date that works for me and we'll see if we can make it work. Like work as a team to figure out a time. Right. Number six, gratitude. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm and support. I'm sorry. I'm not able to help you at this time. So just being, I guess that's yeah. just being normal and kind. Yeah. Uh, five minute favor. I can't speak at your event, but I will promote you. I will promote it on my blog. Yeah, like if you have an alternate way right, to, to support and someone. You kind of already brought that up a little bit yeah. by doing something else. Yeah. Uh, number eight. It's someone else's decision. I promised my coach, therapist, husband, I wouldn't take on any more projects right now. I'm working on creating more balance in my life. And and that it can like, be such an honest. Who thing would to say, say no to that? Right. I know. Like like who would be like no no I want you to do it anyways. Right. And that's what I like. I know, uh, sweetie, you're like more into the deeper part of this, but I honestly want the mechanics because I'm like, okay, I don't know how how to do this. I don't right. know how to say no to somebody. Right. Um, so there's a few more, but these all kind of overlap. So anyways. Well, and I like it because it gives, what it really does is gives language. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and it gives you it's empowering, you guys. Like for those of you who are like, oh, I can't say no or I can't, that's, I, I say this with love, that's your problem. Mm. Meaning you need to look at that. That's something that you need to say. If you are constantly complaining about other people asking you to do things and you feel put upon, you're the one who has to shift that, yeah. not other people. Don't ask other people to shift their behavior to make you feel better. You have to shift shift your behavior to take care of yourself. Well, one thing I learned, and this is once again from Tim Ferriss. Maybe it was from Tim Ferriss. doesn't matter. Um, you know, we get those very generic emails saying, hey, you, we want to have our our author on your show, but right. they'd never even bother to find out who we are or what we do or right. anything. And you know, they sent it to a thousand other right. podcasts. You can hosts. tell they don't listen. Yeah. You can tell they don't listen. I used to like respond to every one of those. And they're like, if they're not going to take the time to know about you, you don't need to give them any more of yourself other than delete. Right. So I delete those. And I used to like respond saying, no, thanks, but no thanks. But I just know that like, they're not going to lose sleep. 
I am one of many. Right. You're a part of a list. Yes. And that's the thing is if it's someone you know, obviously take the time. You know what I've been finding is enjoyable is we've got people like who listen to the show, who maybe comment on Facebook or we've been connected to at the conference. And then they will ask us things like, you know, someone just said, can I do a... Uh, you know, write something about you on my blog, or will you will you do this and that kind of stuff with people we know who we have a relationship with, they know the show, they're not really asking much of us. It's mm-hmm. not like they're saying, hey, promote me. They're saying, can I write, you know, can I just talk about this or post this? Yeah. You know, those are the kind of things that are like, this is so simple. You know, we already have this relationship, but when when you're getting those emails where yeah. you know that it's like almost like a spam thing, yeah. and those are the easy ones. But that's what you do. You you start out baby stepping. Like, can I disappoint some anom- anonymous right. person that wrote to me? Yes. Can I disappoint somebody who's just kind of a random acquaintance? Yes. And then maybe you can build up to disappointing your partner in a healthy way. In a healthy way. That's the key is that you don't start saying, I'm just going to disappoint because sometimes, again, Todd and I always talk about the balance and the pendulum. Sometimes people start to use this as reason that, that they can be inappropriate with people or that they can set a boundary that's so firm that they are not supportive or helpful of anybody where they'll be like, sorry, you know, there's just, there's a way to do this. And I liked your list with gratitude, with kindness and with truth Mm -hmm. and keeping that door open to, I still want to have a relationship with you, but this just doesn't work for me. And I always love the, but this does. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and it's a practice because you can, I think one thing that Oprah says is that, you know, originally on that Dear Sugar is that she's like, I think I got it. Mm-hmm. She'll be like, I really think I got this. And then it shows up a different way. So this is not different pants, different pants as we always say. It shows up in different pants. Um, we have to move along. Okay. Do you, Is there any loose ends you want to close? Well, there's a ton more, but I feel like this is, you know, been plenty. So we have a guest on this Friday's podcast. His name is David Serrano. He's actually our personal financial advisor. And we asked him if he would come on because he has such a wealth of information. And he's got a lot of integrity. Yes. He's just a... He's so honest. He's a heart-centered guy (laughs) in an industry that sometimes doesn't have heart-centered people. Yeah. So this is just a quick minute from our talk just to kind of tease it for those of you guys who might want to listen to this Friday's interview. Yeah. I mean, I I think, uh, Kathy, you you hit the nail right on the head with um, students really trying to understand the concept of like, what is the value of this education and what are the costs? Um, You know, this is one of the biggest decisions they're going to make in their life. And of course, they're making it at a time when they really don't understand the value of Mm -hmm. a dollar. Mm You know, if you ask them, you know, all right, I took the, you know, that $50,000 I was going to put towards tuition. And if I just put that you know, to the side and instead said, no, you're going to go right into the workforce and that'll actually be three and a half million dollars when you hit 65 if you just leave it alone. Uh, you know, they probably have no idea that that concept uh, would be mm. available to them. So wow. I'm, not, I'm not advocating against college. You know, I went, you know, to undergrad and did a, a master's myself too. Um, but so... That's just a I little that nugget. And, and this is what I'll say. When Todd said he wanted to have David on, I love David, so I had no problem with that. But I was also like, why don't you guys just do the show by yourself? Because it's, you know, not really interesting to me. It was very interesting to mm-hmm. me. I learned a lot and I enjoyed the conversation. And I think that's the whole point is really when you understand what your money's worth and when you start to get really kind of you figure out how you want to talk about it with your kids, there's a sense of freedom with that. So that's going to be at zenparentingradio.com 
uh, slash 388. So that'll be Friday. That'll be Friday. Okay. And then um, right before we press record, we started talking about this movie that Kathy and I both love <laughs> oh, that yeah. I don't think anybody watched in the theater, but no. we think it's absolutely hilarious. And um, it's called Wanderlust. Uh-huh. And uh, Paul Rudd and Jennifer Aniston are husband and wife, I think. Yep, they're husband and wife. And you don't need to know all the stories of detail, but I'm going to play a 41 seconds from a clip where they enter um, Paul Rudd's brother's house. Right, but let me just give like what happens sure. at the very beginning. So they're a couple. They both have jobs. They invested all their money in this apartment in New York, like right in Manhattan. They both lose their jobs, and so they have nowhere to live. So they decide to go to, their, to Paul Rudd's brother's house. This guy, his brother, is played by this actor named Ken Marino that Todd and I find really funny. Really hilarious. Great character actor. He's been in a lot of things that you guys have probably seen. One of the most funny things he did was a like a spoof on the Bachelor, Bachelorette thing. And he, it was, I mean, it was beautiful. But anyway, so this is a scene with Paul Rudd and Ken Marino. And Jennifer Aniston. And Jennifer Aniston. There he is, hey. the moron homeless brother. Where's your cardboard box? Hey, get over here. I'm going to fill up your soup bowl. <laughs> oh, come on. You lose your sense of humor when you lost your apartment? Oh, uh, but I want to stay in my apartment even though I can't pay my mortgage. I'm all upset. <laughs> and Linda, look at you. Your body is ridiculous. <laughs> You've been working out. My God. Yeehaw. Rick, I think you're making everybody uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, everybody okay. knows what I mean. Hey, Tanner, come out here and say hello to your aunt and uncle. Hi, Uncle George and Linda. Hey, Tanner. Wow, that. you're so big. I'm not like five years old anymore. Ha <laughs> ha, it's such a freaking shocker. <laughs> oh my god and then the other person in that scene is Michaela Watkins right his wife yeah. and she's super funny in that movie too yeah so Todd and I have seen that movie a few times like Todd said nobody's seen it or I've at least... never heard of it we stumbled across it and what's interesting like a little pop culture side note is that this is the movie that Jennifer Aniston and Justin Theroux did together and this is where they met and obviously have been together ever since so it's many years ago and Justin Theroux for those of you who watch The Leftovers and a lot of the serious movies he was in Gone Girl he's done all these serious roles but he's hilarious in this movie yes, he he's is. like a total hippie and he's hilarious so if you have like a Sunday where you're just like sitting around or your kids are gone, because it's not a kid movie. No, it's not. No. Um, it's an adult movie. It's kind of like an old school 80s, 90s. Um, funny movie. Funny movie. You know, it's a little crass. Mm. Um, just it, a little bit. <laughs> um, okay. So we got to shut down. Um, our other two partners is Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Check her out oh, at yeah. her website, chirotree.com. And Jeremy Kraft, he's a painter, he's a remodeler, he's an awesome guy, he paints our house, in, interior, exterior. You can find more about him at avidco.net. And don't forget, Jeremy is a bald-headed beauty. He is. Um, and I think that's all I have. We do have one um, iTunes review, so if you guys want to help us out a little bit, uh, give us an iTunes review. This is from Never Disappointed in Colorado. It's from Big Brill, one, two, three, four. I listen to you every week while I run in the woods on my lunch break. It never fails that whatever I'm going through, I find wisdom and apropos to wisdom apropos to feel to how I'm feeling from every podcast. You make me stop and think and laugh at myself and move on. Thank you. Good, because isn't that great when we laugh at ourselves? It's such a release. We're pretty funny if you think about it. Well, you, you may think you are. So you can do a review from your phone. Just do a search in your uh, podcast app for Zen Parenting Radio and then click on ratings and reviews. We really, really appreciate it if you did that. So. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to add before we shut down here? No, I think that was very complete. All right. Um, well, thanks for listening and more good things to come. 
always more good things to come. You guys keep, even when things seem challenging or when you're like this world or the news or you guys keep getting up, keep getting up. Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. We can do this. We're in this together and we love you. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us again next time. If you are a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. Or you can also just tell a friend about our show. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen Parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at kathy at zenparentingradio.com. That's Kathy with a C. Hey, next year's Zen Parenting Conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. If you want to know more about this or any of our upcoming events, go to zenparentingradio.com and click events. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals, whether it's a relationship, parenting, career, time management, work-life balance, all that good stuff. Go to toddadamscoaching.com, and uh, I also have uh, the first session is free, so it's really no risk. Or if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out thetribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It won't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. I want to give a special thanks to both of our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support and keep on trucking.